everyone. How's it going? Hey, so I want to extend a welcome to you all here this morning, both uh, if you're joining us in person, but also if you're worshiping with us at the gym. And I'm sorry, I'm getting signals from people that I need to hold the mic closer to my face. So I'm really good at this. Hi, my name is Jeff Moody. I'm one of the elders here, one of the new elders uh, that was elected at the, uh, the end of last year. And uh, so I wanted to come introduce myself uh, to you and then give you an update uh, from the elders here in just a few minutes. So, but first I did want to welcome everyone who is worshiping with us in the gym, uh, who's worshiping with us from home. We appreciate you guys joining us and we're grateful uh, for the opportunity that we have to be together in person or to be together across uh, these different means that God's given us. Uh, so uh, for this today, we're continuing our kids worship. So during the sermon, the first to the fourth graders will uh, go and have a, a special program for them at, over in the gym building. After this service is over, parents, you need to make sure that you go and pick up the, your kids over in the gym building. Uh, kids worship will not meet next week because it is Easter Sunday. On Friday, April 23rd, at, from 6 p.m. to midnight, we will be hosting Secret Church again. Now, this is a wonderful opportunity that we have uh, to pray for unreached people groups to really dig in deep, uh, led by David Platt. Uh, this is the first one we've been able to do in person since COVID, and it's a really wonderful experience. You'll get an email this week uh, that you'll need to sign up with, so register via the email. You'll get more details about that this week. For next weekend, it's Easter weekend, the great celebration of the resurrection that we have as the people of Christ. And so we will have a Good Friday service with communion at 7 o'clock here. And there's a Easter sunrise service at Grace Presbyterian at 6.30 at several churches here on this area meet together to do that. Grace Presbyterian is on the corner of Bell and Atlanta Highway. It's all right. Leela's celebrating. Thank you. And, uh, and then we will have our normal Sunday small groups here at 9 a.m. and then our worship celebration at 10.30 uh, following our normal schedule. And so one of the reasons why I'm up here is that from time to time, we want to give you guys regular updates of the things that we're discussing as the elders of the church. And since the beginning of the year, we've elected, half the team is newly elected. And the two major topics of discussion that we've been really chewing on is the music ministry, including the music minister position and the deacon ministry. And we wanted to communicate with you all our process for this so that you understand why it might be taking a little longer than just hiring a music minister, holding deacon elections, and then we move on. Um, and so that's what we're, we're doing. In addition to that, as elders, in addition to this the regular business of the church, we're also going through a book together called Lead, when we're really pursuing unity within our group so that we can have unity within the overall church. And so we're uh, spending long time, a long time each week talking, praying for you, praying for each other, really discussing how we can lead you well. Um, in terms of this process, we want to do everything as guided by God's word in pursuit of worship as we share the gospel and all of its goodness with each other and with the world. This means that we will invest as much time as needed to understand what God would have us do as a body. And so in any ministry thing we took, any step forward, including the music ministry and in the deacon ministry, we will have phases of study and discussion, planning, and often preaching before we take specific steps. 
for the music ministry, we begin this process at the beginning of the year and have studied and discussed our philosophy of worship as well as talked with the members of the praise team as we seek to move forward in hiring a music minister. We've also had several discussions on deacon ministry. We've begun discussions with the deacons and are down the road of taking a fresh look at the biblical foundations of what it means to be a deacon and how we as Gateway should look at that and employ that at our church. We would, we would like to mirror the elder process with this is that as we're discussing and planning as we reach that point where we will have sermons uh, about deacons and what the expectations are, then we will have the election process. So I wanna take a minute to have all of the elders stand who are here, elders and seek radiant CJ as well. So in as much as we're gonna give you regular updates from here when we think it's necessary or when, when the Lord leads us to, every person here would also like to extend an invitation to come and talk to us. If you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have prayer requests, if you have anything, anything you're wondering about, you don't need to wait on us to come and say it from up here. Come and talk to us. We'll be happy to tell you where we are in any of these processes. All right, so thank you guys. You can have a seat. And Grady, I'm going to turn it over to you now for baptism. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that update. And we'll do these periodically for you guys. So yeah, come on in, Amy Lynn and Kevin. We do get to celebrate again this morning baptism, friends, and I am so thrilled that we get to have this celebration together. Let me just remind you of what baptism is and why we do it. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' final words. Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You've heard me say it before many times. We have baptism, friends, but I want to remind us that these baptisms do not save us. There's nothing magical about this water. There's nothing salvific in these waters. Baptism is a symbol. It is an expression. It's a way we confess our faith. When you look at the New Testament, the way you confess your faith, you tell people, I am a follower of Christ, is through baptism. The reason why we do the particular mode of baptism we do where we dunk people underwater is because of the symbol of what it is. It reminds us that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and he was buried, but he rose again on the third day. What we're going to be celebrating this next weekend on Easter weekend. So it's a picture of Christ's death and burial and his resurrection. But it's also a pronouncement. It's a profession of faith. And so we push people underwater to say, I'm dying to my old way of life. We talk about it often, friends, but to be a follower of Christ isn't I pray a prayer and I'm going to heaven, I can live like I want. To be a follower of Christ means we're surrendering not just to Christ being our Savior, but to Him being our Lord, our Master, our Boss, and we're seeking to follow Him as He directs our life. And so baptism is the way we pronounce that and we profess that before others. We're saying, I'm dying to my old way of life. I'm dying to living for myself and living for the world and living for my sinful desires. And by God's grace, I'm being raised to a newness of life. With the Holy Spirit within us as a follower of Christ now, we find victory, we find grace to walk with Christ as our Lord. So it's a picture of all of that. So I'm excited this morning that we get to see Amy, Amy Lim baptized. Her husband, Kevin, is gonna, in the tank with her. He's going to actually do the dunking this morning uh, of his wife there. But they are new members of the church pending her baptism this morning here. And so members should have already seen this over email over the last, uh, over the last two weeks or so. But we're going to start this morning let Amy Lynn share her testimony with you. And then we'll give a chance for a few of you to share a word of encouragement to Amy Lynn. spiritually wandering mom 
and a 19-year-old non-Christian dad because it was the thing to do. Uh, my mom and later my stepfather were always involved in church. So even though we were an extremely dysfunctional family, I regularly was taught truth. And I really don't remember a time that I didn't know the Lord. Through the bad and the good, I rest securely in the fact that the Lord is my creator. He knows me intimately. He's redeemed me. He is sustaining me. His word tells me that he loves me. He knows for me. He rejoices over me. I am his workmanship created through his works. So that brings us to now. This past couple of years have been very hard for our family. I felt like um, I felt very overwhelmed, like I was wandering in a desert. I'm exhausted. And so I'm so thankful to be here and being fed and being loved on. And I look forward to getting to know y'all better and worshiping and serving alongside you. So this has been kind of a time of remembrance and renewal for me. And I'm really excited being being baptized as a believer, as one who names the name of Jesus, and to get to be part of this body. Amen. Thank you, Amy Lynn. We rejoice. We see God's grace all over you and in your life, and we are so thankful for you. So I know there's a few people who want to share, so I see Seth back here. Let me... Run back here. This is Seth Rodebeck. If you don't know him, he's one of our elders. Hey, Kevin and Amy Lynn. Just so uh, excited to be able to celebrate with you all today. And, um, you know, Megan and I have known you guys because you've lived in our neighborhood for, for several years now. But it's great that you're going to be here with us in this church and journeying together in your faith. And I just thought of a couple of verses as I was thinking about your story. I think it's really bold and, and what you're doing here today. And I just appreciate that. And thank you for, for being this visible testimony to us. But Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then Hebrews 10 verses 36 to 39 says that, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I just want to encourage you with those verses that I see you persevering. I see you with endurance. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. But as you said, the Lord is the one that's going to sustain you and hold you. And it's a wonderful testimony to us in our church today that you guys are, are standing bold in your faith. So just thank you. Welcome to our church family. Just so excited to have you guys here. Amen. Thank you, Seth. And Amy Lynn, I just wanted to say, um, I was really, really encouraged to hear your story of God's grace and um, how you're honest about life can be so hard and you're not afraid to ask the hard questions and also um, just how much you have become into the local church. And it's really encouraging my heart a lot. And I wanted to just read this one part in the scripture. It said, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And amen. Thanks for sharing that. I see two more back here. Somebody get Lydia and my DHA. Hi, bud. So what most of y'all might not know is uh, the Blakes are one of the few people that have the red badge of honor for surviving me through my teenage years. Um, <laughs> 
for the longest time, she was kind of a second mother to me. I was best friends with her daughter, and uh, we've gone through a lot of stuff together, and I've always looked to Amy Lynn to encourage me in Christ, and it's a beautiful thing. I'm humbled by God's grace and abundance that I was able to have her in my life to bear witness and to teach me in times that I needed it when sometimes you wouldn't listen to mom, and so I had the other mom, and I'm just, I'm the fullness that God has placed in my heart for y'all and that he's brought us full circle, that we can share in this church body together, we can share in our triumphs and his glory together. I'm just beside myself and it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to see this today and to bear witness to a glorification of God in you. And so I just wanted to. Amen, thank you, Lydia. Okay, AJ. I'll make this really short, but I wouldn't have to because I've known Amy Lynn through my teenage years as well. And uh, it, it, it was excellent to hear her testimony, and it is very easy to see how God has used her through my life and through other things that we've done. We've done uh, mission trips out of the country, out of the state, here in town, and uh, she's very encouraging and very hardworking. It's been wonderful to know her throughout the years. We're really excited, and we love you very much. Oh, thanks, AJ. I will just echo everything that was just said, but Kevin, we'll let you as the husband get to share the, the final word of encouragement before you baptize her. Okay, thank you, Grady. Uh, what a blessing it is to, to have a godly wife who loves her Lord, pursues Him, and is desiring to minister to those around you, as you've heard just now. Uh, this summer, we'll celebrate 35 years of marriage. Uh, and through the vast majority of, of that time, we've been members of, raised a family in the Presbyterian Church, the PCA, where baptism looks a lot different than this. Uh, but uh, you know, prior to our deciding to unite with this body, uh, I would never would have imagined that I would be baptizing anybody myself, much less my believing wife. But uh, uh, this is a blessing, and, and church membership is very important to us. So that's, that's why we're here doing this today. Um, and I just want to echo what Amy Lynn said a minute ago, that uh, we're excited about uniting with this body. We look forward to getting to know you and to laboring for his kingdom with you. you join me in prayer, church body. Father, we are thankful for your grace. Lord, your grace is so undeserved in our lives that you've looked upon wretched sinners like us. And instead of leaving us lost in our sins like we deserve, instead of judging us and condemning us like we deserved, Christ went to the cross in our behalf and took the wrath of a holy God so that we could stand forgiven, so we could be adopted, so we could be your children. Lord, I pray this morning as we Think about Amy Lynn's testimony, Lord, as we now in just a moment sing to you, the creator of all things, as we pray together, as we study your word together, Lord, I pray that we would realize who we are meeting with. And we would realize this morning, Lord, the grace that is in us, given to us in Christ Jesus. And we confess so often it's easy to go through the routine and the motions of a Sunday morning, but Lord, would you guard our hearts this morning 
from doing things out of habit or routine, but we would understand and celebrate and rejoice in and say thank you for the grace you've given to us in Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? I want to read a scripture for us as we prepare our hearts to sing to the Lord this morning. Verse 14, the last verse of First Corinthians, or sorry, Second Corinthians here. As we think about the triune God who we studied last week, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're worshiping the triune God this morning. Hear this one verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Gateway family, let's worship the triune God together this morning. Sing this chorus with us to sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest Hosanna, Hosanna Hosanna in the highest Hosanna in the highest of glory coming on the clouds with fire the whole earth shakes the whole earth shakes I see this love and mercy Heal my heart, 
make it clean. And heal my heart, make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like love me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's God. As I walk from earth into eternity. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the
before I pray on our behalf, why don't you take a minute just where you're seated or standing just to thank the Lord for what we just sung, that the blood of Christ has washed away our sin. Take just a moment and praise the Lord yourself for what we've just proclaimed in song together. Peter chapter 1 verse 18 says knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot who was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Father, we thank you for the truth we've just been able to proclaim in song, that we have no hope apart from the blood of Christ. Thank you for what your word tells us, that we were ransomed, Lord, we were rescued with the blood of Christ. And when Christ hung on the cross and proclaimed it is finished, we know that all of our sins were forgiven and all of Christ's righteousness was given to us. So Father, we can approach you without fear right now of being struck down because you see Christ when we come before you. Thank you that even as we all pause for just a minute and let those praises of thanksgiving to you, you can hear every one of them. It's incredible to realize how vast and great and wise you are. They can hear the prayers of all of your children coming up at the same time. You knew what we were going to say even before we ask it. But thank you for how great and glorious you are. And I pray that you would just stretch our minds to better understand how great and glorious you are. And we thank you for the invitation we have to approach your throne of grace find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Lord, there are so many needs and so many burdens in each of our lives and in this church family. And Lord, we're so thankful that we don't have to carry them alone. We get to come before your throne and lay them before you. And we have friends here who are praying as well. Thank you that you've given us the blessing of community. I want to thank you this morning for Gateway's Young Adult Life Group. Thank you for Zach and Parker's oversight of that. Thank you for the way that they're building community and encouraging each other in this season of life. Lord, I pray this, this today as the young adult ladies get together with the elder wives for a lunch, that Lord, they would have not just a great time of fellowship, but God, they would have a great time of going deeper in these, in these connections and relationships, Lord, to where discipleship will happen and encouragement will happen. God, I pray you would use that time that this meal with the ladies together with the elder wives would become just a sweet time Lord, of you meeting with them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the ministry that's done to the needy in this community. Lord, we thank you for all that Seth is doing to oversee the Hope's ministry in Capitol Heights Middle School, not just to meet the needs of the students and their academic needs, but to meet their food needs as well. Lord, we know there's so many in the city who struggle to even have enough food to eat on a given basis. And I thank you for the way that the Hope's ministry is taking food to those in need and ministering to those kids. Pray you give Seth and Megan the wisdom they need for each step of the way. Pray you'll encourage the volunteers. We know this is a, a difficult task that they have before them. And I pray they would find hope in knowing that they're being the hands and feet of Jesus to people right here in our community. And we thank you that we get to pray for the world as well. Lord, we want to pray for the work that's being done by the International Mission Board in St. Petersburg, Russia. And we're so thankful that we get to partner with thousands of other churches to support, Lord, the work that's being done all around the world among unreached people groups. As we think about the work the International Mission Board missionaries are doing in St. Petersburg, we want to pray particularly for a man named Rasim. You know this man because you created him. 
Lord, you know that he is a Muslim who is still practicing Islam, but whose heart seems to be turning to you and he's beginning to go to the churches there in St. Petersburg. Lord, we pray today and just joining with the missionaries who are there and believers across the country, praying for Rasim's salvation. Lord, that you would take the heart of this man and turn it to you, that he would see the error of his ways and he would see the glory of the Christ we have just sung about. Lord, we pray as he comes to faith in Christ that you would use him to take the gospel to his own family and to his neighbors and his friends and that whole community that he's in there in St. Petersburg might find the gospel. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give to us to give back to you. So Lord, I thank you for what's already been given online this week and will be put in the drop boxes here on campus today. Lord, we thank you that you've entrusted to us so much and we want to be found faithful with that. So help us steward well all that you've given to us. Lord, finally this morning, I want to pray for our brother CJ. Lord, I thank you that he is teaching your word to us this morning. Lord, I'm excited to get to hear him preach about the image of God and what it means that we are made in the Imago Dei in the image of God. Lord, I just pray for your anointing on him this morning. I pray you give him strength and clarity of thinking and even the physical health he needs to be able to teach your word to us. And Lord, for myself and these precious friends here, Lord, I pray that you would give us just ears to hear your word. But Lord, in the end, I pray we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers also. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in our midst this morning in each of our lives, that you're, you would apply the word of God to our lives, that we would come away from this place changed and more in all of who you are. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And kids are dismissed to kids' worship now. I forgot that important piece of the puzzle. So first to fourth grade, you're welcome to head out these doors here to kids' worship. Good morning, Gateway family. For those of you that know me when I preach, I know what time it is. Um, um, now I'm very excited to be able to uh, be with you all this morning and have an opportunity to encourage you guys. Um, back here in December, able to preach, and as I communicated then, I'm sitting on a stool because I'm still on some heart meds that don't commun- you know, do very well in my body. <laughs> so I have little moments of dizziness and such. And just to be very candid, I had a little couple moments this morning, just little heart flutters and stuff. So I just covet your prayers as I'm up here and being faithful and obedient. I'm excited to share, but um, out of habit for the past year since my heart attack or so, I got a Fitbit, so it's just habit. Sometimes if I feel a little something, I'll look at my Fitbit. I'm not checking the clock, but some of you are like, I wish you would check the clock more often, <laughs> but it may be twofold. So anyway, but sometimes just out of habit, I look down, see my heart rate, just make sure everything's good. Don't freak out if you see that because I'm not going into VTAC, hopefully, Lord willing. That is a big concern of mine. But it is always an honor and a privilege to be able to be before you. I'm very excited to be able to talk about this topic as we're continuing through. Um, just so I know, Brad, will I see the scriptures up there? I know it's black right now, but I will be good. Okay, I've just never seen it like that. So I just want to make sure if I needed to turn around. So as you see, it says rooted. We're continuing on in our wonderful journey this, this year through the catechism of talking about some foundational truths about who God is and then who we are in light of that. And so... As Grady did an amazing job last week, which I think he set a record for anybody preaching on the Trinity in less than 45 minutes. I just want to preface what I'm saying. It's about the same thing. This topic is so vast and so amazing and just beyond belief. I really asked the Holy Spirit this week because I was reading many commentaries and numerous study Bibles and just so much to try to grab, gather things. that I said, okay, Holy Spirit, there's so much here. Just 
what do you want them to hear? What do you want to speak this morning? And so what I've got before me is what I believe is what the Lord wants me to encourage you with. And there's just so much, but I'm thrilled to be able to encourage you with this morning because it is just so awesome and amazing. And so what we're going to look at this morning is how did God create us? That's the question as we've been going through the catechism. How did God create us? And I will confess, it's going to be very difficult for me during this sermon. I'm going to have to look at grade a few times to not dabble into the lane of the why, <laughs> which he's going to do in a couple of weeks, because there's so much to this, and sometimes you want to go, why we were created, not just how. So I ask the Holy Spirit to help me stay in my lane, stay in my lane, because so, he's going to be here in a couple of weeks after Easter. So how did God create us? And the answer to that is so beautifully, God created us in his own image as male and female. And by God's grace, we're going to try to unwrap that a little bit in just a short amount of time. But just so let's stand together in the honor of reading of God's word. This amazing truth, this amazing scripture from Genesis. We're going to be looking at Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And then just diving into the beauty of this passage. So Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Lord, as, just to echo what Grady said, we ask you this morning by your spirit that you would come and give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, we want to make much of you this morning. And some of the things we're going to be talking about, it may seem like that we're elevating man or exalting man, but that is not the case. As we're describing the status that by your grace and your mercy and your wisdom you've placed us in in creation, we are glorifying you, the God of the universe, making much of your beauty and your splendor. So have your way this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Teach us. Use my lips. Use my mind as we submit ourselves to you this morning so that we can just gain a, a beautiful glimpse into the beauty of who you are as our creator. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as Grady prayed, um, this is a theological, obviously, doctrine that a lot of guys love to dive in and talk about and all, and he used the, the Latin term, the Imago Dei. Anybody heard Imago Dei? Very popular term, and it's just awesome. It just sums it up so well. You, so the Latin phrase, Imago Dei, means image of God. But let's break this down just to get some context. So God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The Hebrew word for image is salem, and the Hebrew word for likeness is demuth. And those words are synonyms. They're interchangeable. Literally, you know, many believe it was Moses, but the writer of Genesis could have easily said, you know, that what God spoke was, let us make man in our likeness after our image. They can be reversible. They can be interchangeable. They are synonyms. And they mean a resemblance, something being similar to something else, a representation and one aspect of this definition I love is a shadowing forth. You just envision someone standing outside with the sun, and then we've seen over the years the shadow that comes um, next to that person. And that's another type of description or revealing of what this is like. So what we're going to look at today, very best we can briefly, we're going to see the importance of us recognizing the distinction of humanity being created in, in the image of God in contrast to the rest of creation and what that means. So let's look at two little contrasts just briefly here to set the tone. The first six and a half days of creation, God spoke, let there be first light. 
So he spoke forth, let there be light. He also said, let there be the expanse, or let the dry land appear, or let the earth sprout vegetation, or let the earth bring forth living creatures. That's the way he spoke it forth, the wording and his, his sentiment there. And when he created the living creatures of all types, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish, all the mammals in the ocean, the scripture is very clear in each section. It says, he created them according to their own kind. That's very significant. He created them according to their own kind. So in the infinite mind of God, he had in his mind what he wanted creation to be, these animals, these beasts, these creatures, but it was after their kind in his mind. But when it came to the end of the sixth day, the big finale, God's last creative act was humans, was mankind. But this time when he spoke, as we just read, let's look at Genesis 1.26 again, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see the difference? It's a very beautiful thing what, he, what in God's wisdom in his mind he did here. It was the first expression, as God, uh, Grady taught last week, the first expression of plurality in the Godhead. And there was a distinction from the rest of creation. Many of the commentaries I read and theologians and pastors like, there was this divine deliberation, this cosmic consultation with God, with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. It's just so amazing to think. In that brief moment, the Godhead deliberated. How are we going to create this unique, special creature? And then he spoke, and this is what he did. Making us from the dust, women from the rib of Adam, but we are unique and special in that sense, that he spoke us into existence by deliberating and consulting together as the Godhead. So God chose in that moment to make us uniquely in his image, in his likeness as male and female. And what I love about this too is God never got specific about gender in creation until us. He specifically mentions male and female with us and us only as creation. Now we all know, creatures of the earth, beasts of the field and all, First time it's ever mentioned is with Noah, with the flood. Remember, they came what? Two by two, male and female, to populate the earth after the flood. But that's the only time it's mentioned about creatures of male and female after creation. But God never mentions it in the creation record, which is un it's very unique and special for us. But he does mention it with us. We as humans are truly set apart, and we are special creatures. The NIV commentary says this, humans are the climax of God's creative activity. John MacArthur, I love this, says, man is the crowning point of creation. Let's look here at Psalms chapter 8. This is David declaring the glory of God. He's worshiping the Lord in this psalm. And look what he declares here. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field. And finally, there we go, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the seas and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. I bring this up because David's declaring the splendor and the majesty of creation. And then he takes a pause and asks a question. And what is man? that you'd be mindful of him. Look at the glory of your splendor, of the universe and these creatures and plants and all these things, but 
you're mindful of man, that there's something unique about him, and David declares you crown him with glory and honor. Now, those couple passages may seem familiar because they are mentioned in the New Testament as a foresight to Jesus being made a little less lower than the angels when he came in the incarnation, and he's crowned with glory and honor. But David, very clearly, he said, there's something about man, about humans, that is unique, God, and how you made us. Um, I get brownie points this morning. I got a couple of Wayne Grudem quotes for you, Grady. Grady loves Wayne Grudem. I do too. He's a theologian. So got to remember that next time. Okay. So got a few Grudem quotes, and this is so good. The realization that we are made in his image should give us a profound sense of dignity and significance as we reflect on the excellence of all the rest of God's creation. Just like David said, the starry universe, the abundant earth, the world of plants and animals, the angelic kingdom are remarkable, even magnificent. Remember, saints, we're not just talking about animal stuff. We're talking about our status and position being compared to even the angelic realm, okay? And that's what Grudem says here. Even all those are amazing and magnificent, but we, mankind, are more like our creator than any of these things. We are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation. The original readers of Genesis would have heard this with the Hebrew and what they would have received. First thing they would have heard is, let us, God saying, let us make man to be like us and represent us. And this is what God spoke forth. Image is also reinforced, the, the context of this word, by similarity in Genesis chapter 5-3. The scripture is very familiar. It's a very, have a sentimental uh, likeness to this passage. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own image, likeness after his image and named him Seth. That'll boy, Seth. You see? Um, and what I love about this, again, those are the two Hebrew words. We got... He fathered a son in his own demuth after his salem. They're similar. They're interchangeable. In his, a representation of him, something similar to him, a resemblance of him. Obviously, Seth was not a clone of Adam, but he resembled and shadowed forth um, things about, we're going to get into these aspects about his personhood and who he was. And the reason that means so much to me is that living in this city all these years, I bear my father's name, my son bears my name, and over the years living in Montgomery, I can't tell you the countless times I would be in prayer meetings or meet new pastors or do stuff downtown or other church gatherings. And before I even introduce myself to some of these guys, I would get this look, this, you know, this once over, like these guys are checking me out or something or just, you know, something wrong with me and I'm looking and then it clicks and I'm like, ah, Carmen, which is my father. And I would go, yep, there it is. You see the profile? <laughs> And they would just all I'd have to do is this, and then they go, Carmen. I was like, Yep. He goes, How are you related? You've got to be related, you know. And I'm like, Yep, I bear his image, sadly, but um, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, you did that. I know. I receive it, Lord. You gave me this nose. You gave me, yeah. So, whew, that's another sermon. Anyway. So, but that's what I love about this, because when, when I experienced that with my own biological father, it just always reminded me about the beauty of God and my father, my heavenly father, and how we bear his image and his likeness. And if God did that for us in human sense, with triplets and twins, and I've known some uncles and aunts that look like their nieces and nephews, like it's amazing how God did that. But this is, again, an expression and a revealing to us of who he is as our wise, all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing creator. And so I just love reminding us of that verse. So let's look briefly. We're going to look at five aspects that show we are like God. 
Some of these are going to be very self-explanatory and obviously understandable. But the first one and foremost is the aspect of being spiritual. Our spiritualness shows that we are like God. We have a spirit. Every human being that has ever lived on this planet are eternal beings. Every eternal being, raise your hand. You acknowledge that we're eternal beings. We're spiritual beings. We were created with a spirit. And just to set the tone, I'm sorry, I don't want to bring any depression, but your pets are not spiritual beings. <laughs> sorry, guys. They're not going to be in glory with us. But, you know, you, no, don't be so sad. I mean, that was just kind of like a joke. But no animal has a spirit. You know, their life on earth ends when it ends. However, in the kingdom to come, in new heaven and earth, who knows what God will bless us with, right? You have a little Toto or a Poochie or whatever, whatever it is. He may do that for you. What I'm saying is, though, on this planet, the only spiritual beings, the only eternal being is us, mankind. And I'm hoping as I go through this, the Holy Spirit is starting to shape some perspective or some paradigm shift on how we view each other as a church and humanity, which we're going to get to that in a minute. I'm just putting that out there. So we are spiritual beings, and God made us with the capacity and enables us to be able to connect and relate with God as persons, and that we get to experience, only us as humans, the spiritual realm, and we get to communicate with him through prayer and praise and worship. What we did this morning can only be done by us. Okay? We brought all the dogs from the pound or every creature from the woods or whatever. None of them are going to worship like we did this morning. They can't. That's unique to us. So the first aspect that's so... Um, perfect and foundational is a spiritual aspect to show that we are like God. Number two is physical. God reveals himself to us through figurative language. Uh, as we know, in the, in the beginning of creation, God is spirit. And in the mind of God, he already knew what he wanted to do in creation. But all through scripture, we see where it says God sees, God hears, God speaks. One that stood out that even this morning, um, Jenny Mertz prayed in our prayer time at 8 o'clock. And the reason I love that she prayed it out is because this is why God put this in Scripture. It's, this is why God reveals himself to us in a physical way to reveal and relate with us as humans. And the Scripture is Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, very familiar passage. And it says here, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. And many people pray this, but she, it meant something to her to say, Lord, as I'm entrusting you, with loved ones or situations in my life, I know your hand, your will, your power is not too short that it can't save. Your ear is not dull. You can hear my voice. You can hear my prayers and act upon them and hear my cries. And that's what the beauty of this. But obviously knowing God the Father has no hands. God the Father has no ears. And again, we know we get the fulfillment of that in the incarnation and when Jesus comes in the way he did. We're going to look at that in a second. But that is just a beautiful part to show. He reveals himself through the physical. Wayne Grudem, here we go, Grady gets excited. Love this quote. God has made us suitable instruments to represent in a physical way our human nature, which has been made to be like God's own nature. Our physical bodies in various ways reflect something of God's own character. And relating to this, Matthew Henry, and this is another mind bomb. You know, I love using scripture where it's like, you just can't fathom this. Matthew Henry emphasized, he said, he, God the Son, we're talking second person of the Trinity, God the Son, by whom God the Father made all things, formed the human body at the first according to the platform he designed for himself in the fullness of time. 
<laughs> we can just stop now, get on the floor, and just meditate on that beautiful thing. That God the Son, the eternal Son, the Word that became flesh, that we celebrate at Christmas, the Incarnation, in his own brilliant, perfect mind, the wisdom of God, formed this physical human body to be the platform that he designed for himself that one day he was going to come, that we get to experience him in the fullness of time. We are going to experience a physical Jesus for eternity. Isn't that amazing that he did that for us? We can see him and, and touch him and express and have a relationship with him. And, that, and a part of that is how God made us in his likeness, in his image. So number one, spiritual aspect. Number two, a physical aspect. Third way we can show the image of God and the beauty of that is through the mental aspect. God has created us all with the ability to reason, to think logically, to have the use of language, creativity, and the complexity of emotions. No other creature on the earth has all these in such a way and defined that they can relate with God and reason with God and think and have logical um, steps and processes and all these amazing things. God has done that for us. And it just reminded me, even with the use of language, and again, this is where I go sometimes, have you ever thought about when God let us make man in our image? How did they, what did they, what language did God communicate it in? How did God communicate with himself? I just love these because it makes them seem so amazing, incomprehensible, so big, that in the mind of God, there was a way they communicated. Whatever a cosmic language they had. And obviously we know the Hebrew in the beginning with Adam and Eve. But it just reminded me of, again, his beautiful splendor and majesty, that even in Genesis 11, once he had one common language for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, y'all remember the story at the Tower of Babel? This always stood out to me, I thought it was so cool, that how God in his infinite wisdom even altered things a bit and rerouted language. You know, man was saying, hey, we want to make a name for ourselves. They got proud for it. They came together in unity. They said, we don't want to be dispersed all over the earth. Let's create a mighty city and a mighty tower to the heavens. And God went, hmm. Again, he's not surprised. But he went, let us go down. It's the other, other time that the us is showing up with this plurality, saying, let us go down. Or whatever they put their mind to, they're going to be able to do it. Nothing will be impossible. So God came down and did what? Caused change of language, chaos, and they all scattered. And at that point, language as we know it all over the earth and as the years began in the way, the context that we see it. And again, we get to experience that and God allowed us to have the capacity and the ability to experience those mental things. So spiritually, physically, mentally. Number four, the aspect of moral, morality. We all as humans have an inner sense of right and wrong. God has given us, it's amazing, the capability and the capacity that we can behave virtuously, righteously, and in a sense of holiness, only because of him, nothing in and of ourselves. God had created us in a specific way that we can have that inner sense and be able to treat each other the way we should and to behave in a holy, righteous, virtuous manner. And lastly, number five, which I think is the culmination of them all, why God, okay, I said why, sorry, don't listen to that part, um, just kidding. The reason he did it this way, the how, in a sense, is the aspect of being relational. This is the key. Just as the Godhead, and Grady did a wonderful job last week, just as the Godhead relates with each other and the beauty of their relationship, the Son with the Father and Father with the Spirit and the Son with the Spirit, just that beautiful love relationship, God in his infinite wisdom gives us the capacity as humans and the being made in his image to relate with him the same way and with each other in an intimate, personal way. That's amazing. 
even this morning as we're praying in there, I just, it never ceases to amaze me that the God of the universe, the God who made us in his image, delights in and comes and communes with us in that room over there at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning and in here with us right now, uniquely, specifically delighting with us and singing over us and enjoying the presence with us as we worship him. It's all about that relationship connection. Theologian named Westerman says, true humanness, true humanness is found in personal communion with God. Through this communion, God's glory is reflected and his image is seen. And he gave us the beauty of that example where? Right in the garden, right at the beginning, with Adam and Eve. That communion that he shared with them, that fellowship that he shared with them. True humanness is found in personal communion. And the way we get to experience that personal communion happens as we declared in Genesis 1.27 that God made us in his likeness, in his image. He created us male and female. The uniqueness and the beauty of that. Just as the Godhead reveals himself through three ways, we get to say, and Grady touched on these, the Lord reveals to us through a harmonious interpersonal relationship. God reveals himself with an equality of personhood and importance. And lastly, God reveals himself in the uniqueness and the difference in his role and authority. And what's amazing about that, that's the Godhead functioning. Then in turn, God made us male and female to show his image the same way. Guys, it's just amazing. Just an incredible thing to be able to share this and to be able to understand this. So even in those three aspects, as male and female, we get to show the image of God, show his likeness by all of us experiencing harmonious interpersonal relationships. Grudem says again, just as there was fellowship, communication, and love expressed among the persons of the Trinity before the world was made, God made Adam and Eve in such a way that they would share their love, communication, and this mutual giving of honor to one another through their interpersonal relationship. And guys, every one of us in this room, it applies to us as well. Not just in marriage, but in every aspect of relationships we're a part of. We get to share in the love, communication, and the mutual giving of honor to one another, just as the Godhead does. And secondly, as we get to experience those relationships as male and female, men and women are also equal in their importance and in their existence as distinct persons. We are all equal in personhood, value, worth, and importance. And I know every time we throw out the word value and worth when it comes to man, people go, oh, easy now. But it's true. <laughs> we have value and worth because we are made in his image. It has nothing to do with us. As a creation of God made in his likeness, made in his image, there is an overarching value and dignity and worth that comes to us because of him. Nothing that has anything to do with us. And with that, we are able to communicate with each other and operate in a way of mutual love and respect. And, and let us just admit here, the enemy's had his way with distorting this, has he not? The Lord has, I mean, the enemy's brought destruction. Satan has had his way of deceit and chaos and destruction by skewing and distorting this view, this biblical truth of men and women being equal of importance and distinction in that context of mutual respect and personhood. It's happened through millennia, thousands of years of how they've been treated differently and uniquely in cultures and all this stuff. And Satan's had his way because he doesn't want this truth to be walked out biblically. And lastly, even though we are equal in importance and personhood, value, and worth, just as the Godhead, we also, like the Trinity, get to share the beauty of the differences in our roles. 
God did that, did that specifically for us and uniquely for us. One of my, another theologian I like named Kenneth Boa said, the Lord created the masculine and the feminine and endowed them with different characteristics so that each one would express something different and unique about who God is. We get to experience that with each other. And that's a beautiful thing that I can watch my wife and live with, with Nikki and see the beauty of God and his majesty splendor through her um, unique roles and her character and how she, God has made her uniquely. I get to see the glory and the majesty of God revealed through her. And we get to respect that and honor that. So what's so amazing about all this? These amazing aspects, the physical, the spiritual, the mental, morality, and relational aspects that we get to reveal and share in. And this is where it goes another area of just amazing what God does. In all those areas, God has made us capable and have the capacity to embody and express his own attributes. Guys, we get to walk in and share in and operate in the attributes of God. Specifically, those that are called the communicable attributes. They're the ones that God has communicated with us, who he shares with us in our humanity, in part. So just a few were like God's love, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's mercy, his justice, his goodness. Every one of us as humans have the capacity and ability by God's mercy and wisdom to express and walk out in those attributes. Guys, that's amazing to just think about that. God is revealed through us in that way. Look at Romans 1 here. This mess, uh, verses came to mind, it's a, and it's the context. I mean, it can be used in different ways, but I'm going to hone in on one part. Paul said here to the church in Rome, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of who? Men. So we're talking about mankind. They're unbelievers, obviously. These are individuals by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Here's a good what I love. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has what? Shown it to them. How? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature that we get to share in, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. Guys, we as mankind are a part of the things that have been made. And the beauty of that is that individuals all across this world over the millennia get to see the beauty, the splendor, and get to know and see who God is through just by us living as humans and walking in the ways of God. We are a part of that. Now granted, a lot of this is read, and I've used it before, I've shared a video up here before of a tribal group in Peru or Colombia, these tribal peoples that, you know, they, they fly over, try to do medical care, and you see these huts in the middle of the jungle. And some of these people have never been around another type of ethnicity or race. They've just, they're isolated. But I've had people tell me, say, well, how are they going to get the gospel? What if they don't understand your language? What if people can never reach certain tribal people or whatever? This is the verse. God has made himself known, will continue to make himself known. It's between God and his creation to reveal himself through his creation. And God would also say, if you show up going, Look at each other, tribal people. I made you uniquely different, male, female. I will reveal myself as you interact with each other as well. But I love this verse just because it shows we are a part of that revealing. We are a part of God being able to be known through our lives as humans, as mankind, made in his image. <clears throat> so, coming down the home stretch. I say that because you know, I can go longer. It's just getting your mindsets ready. So, but it is true. We'll come down the home stretch. I love this. 
So I want to ask three questions regarding the Imago Dei, the beauty of this mankind being made in the image of God, in his likeness, male and female. So the first question is, what does this say about God? Simply, he's awesome. I'm just serious. He's amazing, awesome. I'm going to read a chapter, I mean, a few verses from Psalm 145 that describes it all. Very simply, this says about God that he is incredible, amazing, great. Psalm 145, 1 through 13, just soak this in. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Guess what we're doing this morning? Declaring some mighty acts. We are declaring the wondrous works of his splendor, and we're meditating on that in the act of creating us in his image, in his likeness. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your glorious splendor to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Amen? Amen. This is who our God is. Great, glorious, majestic, wondrous, awesome, mighty, And that's what this says about God, the fact that we are made in his image, in his likeness, in almost the way to incomprehensible, it's almost incomprehensible to receive that and know that, that God is great and awesome in glory and majesty. So it's question number two. We know what it says about God. What does this say about humanity or mankind in general? Just the Imago Dei, man being made in his image, what does this say about us in general? And I'm going to close out with the final Grudem statement. He summarized this so well. So everything that I was thinking, and he just went, Poof. And guys, I know we know these truths. I want you to hear my heart in this, because this is really where I believe a big part of this as Christians, what we need to be reminded of, be convicted of, especially with what we've gone through the past year or so, that we receive this truth again and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us and reorient ourselves back to this reality and truth and how it's going to affect us reaching people with the gospel. Grudem says, every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin, or illness, or weakness, or age, or any other disability, still has the status of being in God's image, and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. This has profound implications for our conduct toward others, and it means that people of every race, and every ethnicity deserve equal dignity and rights. It means that elderly people, those seriously ill, those struggling with mental health, and children yet unborn deserve full protection and honor as human beings. If we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. And we will tend to see humans as merely a high form of an animal, and we will begin to treat others as such. And we will also lose much of our own sense of meaning in life. And guys, this has been so evident, again, just as the abuse and the distortion of 
how men and women are seen, this has been grossly distorted and blown. And the enemy, it's all been Satan. The enemy has kicked the door in, and then our flesh and our pride took over. Over thousands of years as humanity of taking this truth and destroying it or blowing it up on how we treat each other, how we see each other for thousands of years. Because Satan knows if he can disrupt this, the truth of who God is and the truth of what he did for his glory, then he's done his job to bring this kind of chaos and destruction upon mankind. So we have seen him do that. And the flesh and our pride have been easily swayed. So I just want to say again, we really want the Holy Spirit to let us see clearly on how we need to respect one another, that each of us have dignity as God's image bearers. And when we look out into the world upon humanity, especially as we're about to see, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, this is really big for us to acknowledge and recognize. And that leads me to the third question. So what does this say about us, God's elect, the bride of Christ? So as image bearers, we have a harmonious relationship with our creator. We are to represent him well, very clearly. God has made this so clear in the New Testament. We are truly ambassadors and representatives of his image, of the Godhead, fully, as we were made in his image and in his likeness as male and female. Literally, as we came to saving faith, when the Holy Spirit came in because of Jesus' blood shedding for us and we were being purchased and transforming us, rescuing us from our sin, God refined our eyesight. Okay? And what's so amazing about this is there are, I've known atheists who treat me better than some Christians. I've known Muslims and other people of the faith that have treated me better than some Christians. Hear my heart on this. Y'all know this. So there's a sense of this innate thing that God has put in us. But when we come to saving faith, the Holy Spirit has reprogrammed us, our paradigm, given us new lenses, new eyesight, a kingdom worldview, and we should treat humanity differently according to God's word and according to his ways. And I've used this for years. It's like when I was saved, like right now, you're all a big blur. And that's how we live before my, sin, my sinful life. But when the Holy Spirit came in, clarity. He made everything come into order, and we have new lenses to see humanity and to see mankind the way God does, in his image, in his likeness. And because of that, there should be a response. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, I love this verse. It's very convicting. But this is God's heart with this. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only upon your own interest, but also, even more so, for the interests of others. So, what does this say about God? He's amazing. <laughs> Go back to 145, just read it. What does this say about humanity and mankind? That they are made in God's image and need dignity and respect. And what it says about us? That we rep need to represent him well, being made in his image. So as we leave here today, I just want you to remember these three things. Knowing that we're made in his image, in his likeness, male and female, the beauty of that truth. So let's remember how awesome our God is through his wise and skillful work of creation. Let's remember every human being as an image bearer of God must be treated with dignity and respect. And let's remember that we as God's elect have the amazing privilege to be like God and to represent God before all of humanity so the glory of God can be seen and revealed and the kingdom of God advanced. That's why he did it the way he did. Sorry, it's a little, little why there. But you'll get into the other why in two weeks. So if you guys will stand, I'm going to pray over us a closing scripture. I just pray that as the Lord leads us this week, that we would be reminded 
of the beauty of this truth and that it would truly convict us, situations of life at our workplace, at our school, around family members, just people out there, just the world that we're going to be sent to, that God would remind us the beauty of how he created us. So let me read this over. you just in a posture of prayer before we worship the Lord. This is Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17, and I just really believe this is God's heart for us, obviously in his word, but for us to see each other and to treat each other as being made in his image and in his likeness, male and female, in this way. Paul says to the church in Colossae, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in, our, in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's worship the Lord together, reflecting on this truth. Oh, 
of creating us in your image and in your likeness. And God, when it comes to the Imago Day, it starts with your church. <laughs> because the world, as your word says, is not going to know that you exist or who you are except by the love that we show one to another, by how we treat each other, your body, your bride. And so I pray for all of us in this room as we leave here, God, that we recognize and we have those lenses, those kingdom lenses of seeing each other as the Imago Day. And Lord, sometimes even in conversations and marriages or family or relationship, if it's getting to a point where we've crossed the line, God, I pray we have the, the ability to look at each other and go, hey, image bearer, <laughs> treat me right, you know, let's, let's start this conversation over. We bear the image and likeness of our creator. So God, I pray that this truth, this reality, we get to live it every day. God, the Imago Day is a daily view that we live our lives with this in view for your honor and for your glory, that 
the world may know and see who you are as we reveal your glory being made in your likeness and in your image. We love you and praise you. May we take this as we leave here to a lost and dying world for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.